his book, An Ideal Man, Josh Kurlancic says that Jim suffered from bouts of depression. And according to Jim's nephew, Henry, Jim was really a lonely man with just a few real friends despite his many parties and lovers and acquaintances. Given this loneliness, some armchair detectives have wondered if Jim may be frustrated with his failing health and perhaps growing bored of his social life in Bangkok might have committed suicide and done it in such a way that no one was able to find his body. Like every theory in the Jim Thompson case, this one has some merits and some flaws, and I'd love to know what you think. But one of the downsides is that Jim never left a suicide note. Also, Connie and the Lings, who were with Jim just before he vanished, noted that while Jim was agitated and in a somewhat foul mood, they saw no signs of depression or impending self-destruction. They weren't worried about him, in other words. Jim also had immediate future plans. He was meant to leave the Moonlight Bungalow on Monday, the day after he disappeared. He was going to go to Singapore because on Monday evening, he planned to attend a dinner that was being given in his honor by the American ambassador. And he'd sent a cable confirming his appearance at the engagement. And he also had a dinner reservation on Tuesday night with a business associate who was hoping to get Jim's advice on starting his own textile company in the area. Amateur detectives have also thrown out another theory, and that's the one that asks if Jim, with maybe his spy skills, could somehow self-disappear. And this theory is fueled by the fact that a few months after he went missing, one of his business associates who had known him for years, his name was Edward Politz, the same guy, actually, that was meant to meet Jim in Singapore on Tuesday, claims to have seen Jim in a hotel lobby with a white woman in Tahiti. When Edward called out Jim's name, Jim, Jim, the man apparently never looked up and instead quickly left the lobby and got into a car and drove away. Pulitz reported a sighting to the U.S. government two weeks later, saying that he thought that Jim didn't acknowledge him because he was on a clandestine or a classified assignment, which adds further credence to the idea that Jim was perhaps still involved in intelligence work near the time of his disappearance. But there are weaknesses in this theory too, because if you're going to consider Pulitz's sighting, you also need to consider the fact that there's no paper trail ever showing that Jim moved his money to another country before he went missing, or that he ever spent any of the money from his bank accounts after he disappeared. He also apparently had about $100 on him when he was in the Cameron Highlands, but even that money was left behind in his wallet in his room. To me, it seems more likely that the Tahiti sighting was simply a missed sighting. Even Politz admitted that he could have been wrong, even though he was fairly certain that he wasn't. But reports of Jim, just like Elvis being sighted around the world, were frequent, too. For example, in the months and years that followed, a Thai prostitute reported seeing Jim high on drugs in her brothel. Thompson was also reported to have been seen twice in Cambodia, smoking opium at one location. And he was also reported seen in China multiple times, and in Malaysia in the late 1960s, where he was apparently telling fortunes at a temple. One other element in the case has given people greater cause to pause. 
About five months after Jim disappeared in Malaysia, Jim's sister, Catherine Thompson Wood, was found bludgeoned to death in her bedroom by a blunt instrument in her home in Pennsylvania. Catherine was a wealthy woman in her mid-70s who lived alone in a five-bedroom, six-bathroom mansion on 14 acres with their two dogs. The dogs, a German shepherd and a Labrador retriever, were known to be fierce protectors of her against strangers. But apparently, the dogs never reacted during the murder, suggesting that the dogs were well acquainted with the assailant. While the police first wondered if Catherine wasn't the victim of a robbery gone wrong, they later realized that nothing had actually been taken from the home. In fact, about $40 in cash and a pearl necklace worth $2,000 remained sitting on the dresser just across from her body. There was also no sign of forced entry, and there was no sign that Catherine, who kept a gun in her bedroom, had been sexually assaulted either. Lou Tumlin looked into this aspect of the case. Well, the case is still open. It's never been solved. I, I did a long interview with the Pennsylvania State Police a cold case officer who controls the case and actually has two big boxes of stuff on it. And he said that they looked at every possible angle and they kept circling back, sadly, to her son. Now, they don't have any real proof against the son, but they know that he had major disputes with her. She disapproved of his lifestyle and she would not give him any money when he was down and out. That son's name was Harry Wilson Woods, and he, like a lot of people, did have a contentious relationship with Catherine, who was apparently a difficult woman. It's been reported that she often treated her hired help poorly, openly expressed racist sentiments towards African Americans, and constantly criticized Jim for having open affairs. Harry stated that his mother also detested the fact that he sold dog food door to door for a living, because she felt that it was beneath the family station. She also criticized the way her son raised his children. She had recently written him out of her will in such a way where he would not be able to sell her home upon her death, which was her major financial asset. Given that Catherine was murdered just a few months after Jim disappeared though, people couldn't help but wonder if the two cases were connected. If perhaps Catherine had discovered something or knew something about Jim's disappearance or death, and that she had to be killed in order to ensure that the truth never became public. Harry would eventually tell reporters in 1971 that he did think that both his uncle and his mother were killed by an international communist conspiracy associated with the Black Power Movement in the United States. He claimed that the groups were seeking to discredit Jim because Jim was proving that his company and capitalism could work in Southeast Asia. And he actually implied that the American black militant H. Rapp Brown, who had recently been arrested in New York City, was responsible for his mother's death. Admittedly, all of this seems like fringe conspiracy theorizing, and Henry was not always a reliable witness. Lou says that Harry once lied to a reporter, telling the journalist that he had voluntarily undergone a polygraph examination and that he passed it. But Lou says that when he talked to the Pennsylvania State Cold Case officer, who had recently reviewed the file, 
He didn't remember saying anything about Harry having taken a polygraph test, even though other persons of interest involved in the case had. Unfortunately, we can't subject Harry to a new lie detector test, or even ask him why he felt that the Black Power Movement and the Communist Party were behind his family's death. And that's because three weeks after talking to reporters in 1971, Harry committed suicide on Christmas Day by the side of his backyard pool. There are many, many, many more side paths like this to follow in the Jim Thompson case, ones that we haven't even touched on or explored in this series. And it's why this case has captivated so many people's attention over the years. There's unlimited rabbit holes to go down, it seems. And I wish that I could say now at the end of this series, after talking to experts in the case and reading all of these books and archival documents, that I have discovered what happened to Jim. But that's not the case. I, like those who have gone before me, have failed to come to a conclusive answer. But I think, actually, it's the mystery of the case that's what keeps this story alive. And the Jim Thompson Foundation, his museum, his Thai silk company, thriving. In December of 2022, I went back to Thailand because I wanted to show my family the place that had given me so much, including an escape from the Worldwide Church of God. And of course, I had to go back to the Jim Thompson house. People from all over the world come to the Jim Thompson House and Museum, and they do it for a variety of reasons. They do it to see its collection of exquisite art, the house's unique architecture, to shop and to learn more about the company's silk collection, or to just check out TripAdvisor's top list of things to do in Bangkok. So, if you find yourself in Bangkok, know that to visit the house is free. But the guided tour, which is excellent, will run you just 200 baht, the equivalent of five U.S. dollars. But if you ever take the tour or visit the house, or if you've done it before, I hope that you'll now approach the tour with a new sense of appreciation and understanding of the life and legacy of Jim Thompson, his perplexing disappearance, and that you feel like now you've done the tour behind the tour. And now, we'd love to hear what you think. We'd love to know which pieces of evidence are the most convincing to you that help explain what happened to Jim. Are there theories that you privilege, and which ones would you totally throw out, and why? Also, have you ever been to the Jim Thompson house? How did you find out about the story? What was your experience like? We'd love to read all of your comments, so feel free to drop them in the review section of this podcast in the Apple Podcast Library or wherever you get your podcast from. I'd like to offer a special thank you to DJ Grothy, Jeremy Bennett, Lou Tumlin, and Barry Broman for participating in this podcast. And thank you, too, to Professor Richard Allen for his consultation and writing expertise. 
Worldwide, The Disappearance of the Thai Silk King is written, hosted, and edited by me, Trisha Jenkins, with sound design and editing by Charity Robinson of 13 Media. All music licensing through Soundstripe. 